I've often defined myself within the context of the place that I am in. And so to me, community and civic engagement is really an out, um, kind of an outgrowth of that sense of place. And for me, place is a lot about kind of where you see yourself in the world Mm -hmm. and how you engage with the world has a lot to do with the place you see yourself in it. I'm Andrew Seligson. I'm Nicole Springer. And I'm Marisol Morales, and welcome to the Compact Nation podcast. I think we heard a new voice on here. Who could that be? Is that maybe our new co-host, Nicole Springer? Sounded like it to me. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I feel new. Hi, Marisol. I'm doing well. (laughs) Um, So uh, we have a transition happening. We announced it at the last, uh, during the last uh, podcast. And so want to quickly introduce our new co-host and then uh, talk to Andrew a little bit about uh, his transition. So Nicole, let the audience know who the hell you are. Hey, I'm Nicole Springer. I am the director of institutional capacity building for Campus Compact. I am in the lovely Lansing, Michigan, and uh, I'm excited to be here and to talk with everyone. Thanks. Thanks. And um, we're doing a transition because our president, uh, Andrew Seligson, is is moving on to the next opportunity. So how are you feeling, Andrew? What would you like to tell the Compact Nation as you kind of sign off during your last podcast? Wow, that's uh, that's a lot of pressure there, Marisol. It is, yeah. Uh, so I will just say, yes, I've been here in this role for seven years and uh, have enjoyed it immensely, not least because I get to work with terrific people like the folks on this podcast and our producer, Molly, who lurks in the background of our podcast uh, and many others, both in our organization, across our network and all our member institutions. Uh, so, yeah, it is definitely bittersweet. I am heading on to uh, become the president of an organization called Public Agenda uh, that some folks out there may know. It's an organization that works to strengthen democracy and expand opportunity for all Americans through research and public engagement. So it connects really closely with work that I've been doing and feels very connected to the things I spend my days and nights thinking about whether I want to or not. So uh, yeah, I'll be heading on kind of late in August and yeah, very excited about the work I'm doing, but definitely sad about leaving such a great group of people. Yeah, we're sad too, but also very excited for you. And we know we'll be working together in the future. Maybe you'll be, uh, we'll interview you on our Compact Nation podcast in the Ooh, future. That's, now that is quite quite a possibility to dangle <laughs> out there, buddy. So yeah, that's right. So Nicole, how are you feeling about this new uh, role you have as our co-host? Are we going to have fun or what? I'm predicting fun. I think, uh, I think soul, we're going to be a good balance for each other. Yes. You yeah. bring the, you bring the cheer and I'll figure out what it is I bring. 
<laughs> I, I like that Nicole took a kind of meteorological approach to your yeah. question. <laughs> Predicting fun. There's about a 70% likelihood. Uh, well, that way if it doesn't work that's out. It's 110% likelihood of fun. <laughs> fun will happen. It's just how will that fun happen? That's, that's the right. question. That's right. Yeah. We're really excited to, to have you and um, we'll do some preparation uh, this summer for our season six. Uh, so folks can definitely let us know um, what ideas they might have or kinds of things they'd like to see for season six. And you can do that at uh, podcast at compact.org. Uh, chime in and let us know what you're interested in learning about hearing, who you're interested in us talking to. I just want to say one other thing about this transition. I'm excited to be replaced by Nicole because while it's been said that I have a face that's made for audio, Nicole <laughs> has a voice that's made for audio. So she does uh, have a great voice. Yes, yeah. well, absolutely. I'm I'm excited about um, being a voice on audio again. But I will. I I haven't said it yet. So Andrew, I will miss you. Oh, well, I so appreciate that. Just know that that's that sentiment is there. <laughs> I like you we've said, got a little love fest here. It is yay. a love fest. Yay. Hey, Nicole, you said uh, radio again. Did you do some radio before? I, is this I a have, fact that I'm learning? something uh, I'm learning? I, it's not. It wasn't. A, I did not have a large audience. I was a radio announcer for my local church. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> I like So that. I think I maybe reached, I would say, a solid 20 people a week. Well, it's it's not the size of the audience; it's their commitment, their dedication, what they gain from the interaction. So, I bet you changed lives as the radio announcer. That was that was my hope every Sunday morning. Awesome! Awesome! awesome. Well, well, we've, we've got, got a great, great interview, interview for um, folks uh, today. Uh, today. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to uh, interview uh, President Hillary Link from Allegheny uh, College, and. Um, had a, had a really, really great, great conversation, conversation about environmental, environmental stewardship, civic engagement, and presidential leadership. leadership. And, and so, so um, take a listen. So, hello, President Link. We're so excited to have you on our Compact Nation podcast. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. And so I was wondering if you could share a little bit about yourself um, with our audience and how civic and community engagement came to be an important aspect of your life and your leadership. So uh, great. I'm happy to. I am currently the first ever female president of Allegheny College, which is in Northwest Pennsylvania. Uh, and Allegheny's been around for 205 years. So it was a long wow. time wait to have a, mm-hmm. a female president. So that's been really Congratulations. exciting. Uh, it's been, a ch- I started uh, July of 2019. So it's been uh, a challenging first two years <laughs> to say the least. Uh, But I came to Northwest Pennsylvania from living overseas in Rome, Italy, and I've actually spent much of my life going back and forth uh, between living in Europe and the U.S. I uh, my academic work is all in Italian Renaissance art and literature. So I'm an interdisciplinary and global scholar and thinker and leader. And so place has always been 
really important to me, whether I was living in New York City, uh, whether I was living in Rome or now living in Needville, Pennsylvania. And I've often defined myself within the context of the place that I am in. Mm. And so to me, community and civic engagement is really an out um kind of an outgrowth of that sense of place. And for me, place is a lot about kind of where you see yourself in the world Mm -hmm. and how you engage with the world has a lot to do with the place you see yourself in it. And so it's been really interesting for me when I was in New York and I was working at Barnard College. New York's a big city, uh, but Barnard has a very clear identity as of New York City. Right, right. And then I moved to Rome and I was running Temple University's campus there. And we worked really hard to engage students in the local community. Many of them were only there for a semester, but to really help them understand that being in Rome, it was more than just about traveling. It was about shifting your whole perspective on who you are and the culture and the context you'd grown up in. And then I moved to Meadville and it's such a different situation for me because Allegheny is a very important factor within the small city of Meadville. But what I found ironically is that the college did not have as important a a connection to and a role in the local community as I would have thought. And Mm. so that has become a big piece, especially as we're coming out of COVID and looking at the impact of the financial crisis, the global health crisis, all of the social justice issues that are really impacting small rural towns like where we are, that is becoming a huge focus of my presidency here. Yeah, that's great. It makes me think about like the difference and maybe you can speak to this between like town gown stuff and civic and community engagement and how a university or a college like engages that difference or if they really see it as different. I've been at um, a large uh, faith based institution and a kind of midsize um formerly faith-based institution and the way that like there was a distinction between town gown stuff and like community engagement stuff and you would think that they'd want some alignment in that but I haven't always seen it if you can speak to that. It's, it's such an interesting uh, distinction that you bring up. And it's something I spend a lot of my time here at Allegheny College thinking about because so we we have the disadvantage with regard to our community of being on a hill. Oh, classic. Basically, <laughs> geographically, right. for the college up on the hill. And I say all the time, I wish it were all just kind of flat and we completely <laughs> integrated. Um, But in some ways that has impacted how people think of us in Mm -hmm. the town. But what I've also found, the other piece of, you know, your point about the civic engagement, we do a ton of service within our community. We cite all the time, there are 40,000 student hours of community service that our students do on an annual basis. 
But what's really interesting to me and where I think there's an opportunity, and this is where we're really focusing our efforts, is to engage the community in better understanding what the community wants and needs from the college. Hmm. It's not just about what we think we can do for the institutions here in Meadville, but it's about creating a true sense of civic connection and community connection that is not one way. It's completely reciprocal, um, but that goes beyond service hours because service is really important. And we have lots of organizations in Meadville that talk about how they wouldn't be able to stay afloat or do the work that they do if it weren't for the student volunteers and the student interns. And so they're an important part for the time that they're here. Mm -hmm. But the other piece of this, and this gets back to the town gown piece, is that our goal is to help students find such a sense of belonging and place, not just here at Allegheny, but in the Meadville community. So true civic engagement, engagement in where we are, that they stay beyond graduating and they choose to build their life here. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see a small trend of that. But what we're doing, we're actually working on workforce development um, initiatives with our local manufacturing uh, organizations and creating opportunities so that students can see themselves here, even beyond just being part of the Allegheny College community. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar with uh, Meadville, can you share a little bit about the the city where Allegheny is located? So we are in very northwest Pennsylvania. Um, We are basically about 90 miles north of Pittsburgh uh, on the way to Erie, uh, close to the Ohio border. And um, Meadville is a It's the county seat. So we're in Crawford County, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Um, It is so as the county seat, but it's a small city. The county itself, I believe, has around 75,000. Oh, wow. But Meadville is small. It has only about under 14,000. So, um, and Allegheny has a student body of about 1,600 students and about 500 employees. So, it's a it's a large number for a small uh, a small location. And so, for me, that's been one of the most interesting pieces of really digging into what does civic and community engagement mean in a small community as opposed to a huge cosmopolitan area like New York or Rome, where you can have an impact in your, you know, the small area right there, uh, but you may not have an impact all across the city. Whereas here, uh, I believe we have the opportunity to really be an anchor institution for Mm -hmm. the whole community, but we have some work to do to get people to really partner with us on that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we've um, kind of started to focus on at Campus Compact, particularly as we're, you know, starting to embrace, um, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion and the way that it shows up or doesn't in the civic and community uh, engagement spaces, you know, really thinking about a rep, uh, um, institution's reputation of harm. Right. And so some of it could have been things from um 
you know, the institution uh, participating in the displacement of, of communities like my alma mater was was a part of or, you know, the the vision of this uh, college on, on the hill. And so as you sort of are doing this relationship building and thinking about the ways that Allegheny can be more intentional, like what have you recognized around the institution's reputation of harm as a way to then, you know, move forward in developing these, you know, mutually beneficial reciprocal relationships that, that you talk about? It's a, that's such an interesting way of putting it. Um, you know, and, and obviously as an academic institution, we try really hard to be intentional about not causing any kind of harm, but inevitably, I think, you know, we've been part of this community for over two centuries. And, um, you know, to me, it's not outward harm. But again, I think there's more that we could have always done Mm -hmm. that are integrated to really raise up the quality of life and the uh, cultural sense and even the economic well-being of this uh, this community. The, the DEI piece is fascinating because Allegheny about 15 years ago made a very um, strategic decision to diversify quite dramatically the student body. So about 25% of our students are underrepresented minorities, let's say. Um, But we're in a part of the country that really is not as racially diverse as anywhere close to it as our student body. So that's been a really interesting uh, piece, especially in the last 15 or so months, right, with the racial reckoning and Black Lives Matter and really working to support our students on campus, but also create uh, bridges to the local community. One of the exciting things that we have going on, we actually received a large grant from an external funder to specifically build conversation and bridges about DEI Mm -hmm. and inclusion to the Meadville community. And um, we're really excited about that. We're just starting to get that work underway, but it's yet another way for us to work with the community, to learn from the community. It's not that we have all to teach. We have so much to learn uh, in a way that I hope will ultimately really benefit not just the community, but also our students. Um, The other piece that's really interesting in terms of um, community resilience, which is something we talk a lot about. So Allegheny is a big, um, we're we're very engaged in climate work, sustainability. Mm -hmm. We were one of the top 10 colleges and universities in the country to be climate neutral. Uh, But we're in Northwest Pennsylvania, right, in fracking country. And Mm -hmm. um, so so a lot of the work that some of our environmental science and sustainability faculty do with students has to do with community projects and energy projects in this region that has not always necessarily been at the forefront of uh, alternative sources of energy and climate alternatives. So that's another piece of it too. We've had to kind of, or we've, I would say, decided to expand our definition of climate action to really incorporate community resilience, Mm. which has to do with issues of poverty and issues of 
global health and issues of education and issues of social justice. Um, so I think it's it's about taking some of the things that we're naturally doing on campus, but really thinking about how that can be enhanced and infused locally as well. Yeah. Um, I, you know, as you were uh, sharing, it makes me think about like the important role as convener that the institution has, especially in conversations about, you know, race and equity in this moment. And, you know, with the intentionality that the institution had with diversifying the student body, like how do you also prepare the local community for that so that those students of color don't feel like they can't you know, go into the, or they don't feel comfortable going, going into the community. And so the role of convener that um, the institution has and really facilitating some important dialogue that we have to have as, as a nation around this. So, I mean, that's, I think what we're working to build the foundation for right now. And, and as I said, this external grant is exciting to me because it actually came through a long, long time local family mm. that had been involved, some of the older generations, in some really hard conversations about race related to there was a murder of a black a young black man back in the early 70s and the community i've only heard this indirectly from mm -hmm. some of the community members but there were some what was really interesting is that some people have talked to us about some healing conversations right. that took place in the community. And so to your point of that sense of bringing people together to have really hard conversations, on one level, as an academic institution, this is something, that's what we do. Uh, we bring people together every day to have really hard conversations. So we have an opportunity to do that, not just for people in the community, but for people on our campus as well. Uh, we struggle with our own issues and our students, you know, they, they tell us we have a lot of work to do even on our campus. And so I think it's that sense of how do we take what we are comfortable doing, which is frankly putting ourselves outside of our comfort zones, right? And learning and challenging our own viewpoints. How do we do that in a way that again, doesn't feel like we're the academic institution coming in to teach you and show you, but actually saying, you know, as a faculty member, I say, and I know a lot of my colleagues say, often you learn more from your students than mm -hmm. you teach them, right? So how do we make this a true convening moment where we learn from people in the community and they learn from us? And our students have to be a big part of that, partly because, again, they're coming from all over the world and all over the country. Um, but they don't have as many opportunities to get to know what people are really thinking and feeling here as we would like them to have. And we also have people, tons of people from the community who will say to me, you know, I'm 75 years old and I've actually never stepped foot on your campus. And so I think we have a lot of work to do. And to me, some of it is just being humble and saying, we don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. We know we have to have these conversations. We really want to have these conversations. And until we can have them honestly, we're not going to be able to move forward. Um, 
But again, sometimes it's just providing the mental space and the physical space to convene those conversations that we forget to do. And so the nice thing about having someone say to us from the outside, I want to support this very intentional, right? Uh, we, and we started out with a title for the grant that was all about like bringing people together at tables, right? Around a meal, around a book reading, something like that. But that physical sense of convening and being together um, because again we're up on the hill we don't do as much of that as we have needed to and I think we lose out on those opportunities mm-hmm. I really appreciate the sort of both internal and external view that you have towards um, this grant work that, that you're going to be engaging in um, best of luck as you you do that would love to, to hear more about how that goes and um, it really connects with a lot of the dialogue work that Campus Compact has also been uh, connected to over the years um, you had mentioned um, some of the work that has been uh, taking place around climate action. So can you share a little bit more? I mean, I think this summer has proven to so many of us uh, the realities of, of climate change and, you know, the the necessity to to think differently. And so would love to hear a little bit more about what Allegheny is thinking and how you all are engaging in climate action right now. Sure. So, you know, I say all the time, I got the easy job because it was actually two presidents ago, um, my predecessor's predecessor that signed on to the president's climate commitment. And we agreed that we would, back in 2007, I believe that we would be climate neutral by 2020. So I arrived in 2019 and I had the joy of being able to basically take the final steps and bring the institution over the finish line. But what so because I had that opportunity, we started I started talking very early on. One of the first people I met on our campus was our director of sustainability, who was an environmental science major, had been here as a, as a student and really came back and has been so engaged in broadening that conversation to really incorporate community resilience. So Kelly was one of the first people that I spoke with when I arrived at Allegheny. And I think that just shows you what that everyone here has just really bought in to the census. This is not the job of one person, mm-hmm. it's not the job of the director of sustainability or the president. It is everyone's job. So we have faculty who are engaged in this. We have students, we have staff um, and working with the local community. So one of the interesting things that we've asked ourselves is, OK, so, um, you know, we achieved carbon uh, neutrality. Now what? And so one of the things we did is we put out a challenge to higher education in general. We put out a press release where we basically did a call to action to say, come join us in these seven areas that um, we're not saying everyone has to do every single one of them, but do what you can, because even if you're not you know, it's not right now in your strategic plan to be carbon neutral by X date. Um, There are steps that every institution needs to be taking to contribute to this. So um, we so just to give you a sense of what they are. So we said, you know, join us in joining 
partnering with organizations like We're Still In or Second Nature, which is an organization I'm on their uh, presidential steering committee for. We said decarbonize your campus to the extent that you can. Um, look at historical institutional practices mm -hmm. that exist, that affect students and campus community members and how you're making decisions. Because often we make decisions because of structures that have been in place and we don't realize the harm that those decisions or those long-term structures are creating. Um, really focus on the concept of resilience. Again, yes, it's about climate action, but it is so multi-perspective, you yeah. know, um, interdisciplinary, this whole concept, because it is, as I said, it's about allergies and asthma and poverty right. and education and race. And it's so resilience to me is all about that sense of community, improving the mental and physical health of the land and the people in it. Um, you know, we, we encourage people to purchase 100 percent of their electricity from renewable sources. And we're really working on that. And then to really engage students as a campus community, the students are are the lifeblood and students have to do this work and they want to do the work, but they have to be meaningfully engaged because they will then take it on from the campus and move forward. So internships and research projects and working with local businesses and community service. Uh, and then the last one is, and again, this is an interesting one and we're working through this. We are not fully at this point, but to really look when you look at a college's endowments or investments, right? Mm -hmm. um, are you looking at sustainable practices? Are you looking at socially just practices? Um, not taking the hard line, you have to do X, Y, or Z, but to examine the decision-making processes and how those have an impact to your point that you may not be fully aware of. So we put out this pretty bold call to action and we want to work, we're trying to work across institutions and networks because we know that um, we can do a lot of good work here locally, but we need everyone to be doing that work as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, have you had uh, takers? Have you had uh, conversations with other institutions who are interested in, in moving in that direction? You know, we have and we've had it's led to some really interesting conversations with some other institutions about, you know, how do they look at what like what does community resilience mean for them? So Second Nature, for example, as this convening organization has been hosting a series of what they call climate pursuits and a bunch of the liberal arts colleges are really looking also at um, how do you take what we teach on campus and make that in to meaningful community-based resilience work. And so we're having lots of conversations, um, hosting other institutions that are interested in the work that we're doing. And it's a work in progress. Uh, we know, even though, again, for many institutions achieving climate, you know, carbon neutrality is the end goal. And for us, that was a great milestone, but it has to keep expanding and expanding, especially being in the part of the country that we're in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what are some of like the practical things that over the past 
I guess, three presidencies, including your own, did Allegheny do? Like, were there buildings that they did that were LEED certified, were, you know, purchasing whatever different? Do you all have electric cars that that are part of the university? Like, what are some of the practical things? No, that you all a little bit of all of that. Um, the Before I arrived, the college had undertaken, this is just one great example, um, uh, the, his, the renovation of the most historic building on campus, which just celebrated 200 years a year ago called Bentley Hall. And it's a beautiful historic building uh, from 1820. And, um, you know, it, like many old buildings, had uh, needed a little bit of a refresher. And so the college over the last several years has actually recently structured the building and really refurbished the whole thing. And one of the really cool things that um, the with support from one of our trustees and our community, we made the decision to make it LEED certified. And that's not easy to do yeah. <laughs> a 200 year old building. Uh, but we installed geothermal heating systems. And because that was part of the presidential climate commitment was to say, any new building, and we're not doing a ton of new buildings, we're doing a lot of refurbishing old buildings, old historic buildings on our campus. But we made the decision that wherever possible, we would make them as sustainable as possible. So that's one great example. Uh, we do have some electric charging stations on campus. We don't have a lot of electric cars in, around here, but we're working toward that. Um, you know, purchasing carbon offsets. And one of the things, again, that we're looking into is can we do that in an even more strategic way for the resilience of the local community mm -hmm. where the offsets that we're purchasing have a positive impact on, uh, you know, on our local community. Um, and, you know, there are even things like we installed green boxes in our dining hall. So when you go get a salad, uh, you can, you know, with a token, you get a clean green box that then you use and put back and it gets completely recleaned, et cetera. And uh, I have to say that was one of the really hard things about the pandemic and the yeah. way we had to adapt is that everything became, you know, takeaway plastic. Uh, and I had a, a conversation with Kelly Bolton, our director of sustainability. And I said, I'm so conflicted because, you know, I know we need to do this for the health of our community, but we're not doing it right now for the health of the environment, but we agreed. And in fact, we've gone back to the green boxes as soon as we were able to do so. So it's it's everything from kind of the little things to the big infrastructure pieces. And um, it's kind of always making decisions that say, how does this impact the environment? How does this impact our local community? And how does this better position us to continue to be a leader in terms of sustainability? Right. So, um, so Campus Compact is a presidential leadership organization. It's been that way since its founding. So how do you think, um, especially you being a new president during a pandemic, um, but how do you think presidents uh, can support the civic and community engagement work at their institutions and then across the field of higher education? I think it's, um, it's such an important thing to do and to model and to 
uh, again, to think about in as broad a way as possible. So um, for me, you know, as I said, coming to Allegheny College and to Meadville, I saw an opportunity for us to move beyond the really good and really important community service, civic, civic engagement work that the college has long done, but to engage with the community even more. And so to really say, state up front, this is a priority of the college. We're going to be a partner and an anchor to our community um, and really get input from the community on what that looks like. And so I think that, you know, back to your point about convening, I think as an academic leader, we have a role in the community that people are willing to take a meeting or they're willing to listen. And I think to come to them with the humility of saying, we need to learn from you and work with you. And I want to do everything I can to make this community stronger. Um, I think that's a really important piece of it. The other piece, though, is for, you know, as the life of a college student has become ever more complicated, mm -hmm. I would say, certainly over the last 18 months. Um, and finding a true sense of safety, security, and belonging is more essential than it has ever been. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I have always looked at community engagement, even beyond the campus community, right, as a way to find a place for yourself in that community. Uh, when I was at Barnard, I kind of started up and it's it's fun to see something that's still in existence 20 years later because we kind of started it on a shoestring. But as part of orientation, a way for students the, in the first couple of days that they were on campus to do service projects in New York City. Um, and we always question at the beginning, is that going to pull them away from creating that sense of space on the campus? And we found it was the total opposite, mm -hmm. that by allowing them very quickly after they got to campus to figure out who they could also be in the broader community. It really grounded them even in their smaller campus community. So that's something I've always taken with me. And I think that college leaders and presidents can do is to um, embrace the sense of the community as being beyond the walls of the campus and really think about how do the, how can you engage the community in the coursework that you're doing and how can you engage the community in the research projects that your students are doing um, so that it's not just about service hours right right um, but it's about learning from the local community and alongside the local community and ultimately creating a sense of place, um, not just for the students who come to your college or university for four years, but to create a sense of place for the people in the local community that includes the campus. Whereas I said, you know, part of what is amazing to me is that people from the community don't always feel like this is part of their place. So to me, that's where I hopefully have an opportunity as the leader of 
Allegheny College to say this is of Meadville. And that's really important. It's not yeah. just that the you know, that Meadville is part of our students' experience, but that our campus is part of Meadville's experience as well. Yeah, that's a very important distinction. Thank you so much. It was great having the opportunity to talk to you. Congratulations on your presidency, especially being the first female president in 200 years. That is a milestone that um, those uh, ceilings that we have to continue to, to shatter. So uh, congratulations on that and the work that um, you're doing uh, in Meadville and, and Allegheny. Um, we so appreciate your, your time and um, know that you're always a friend of Campus Compact. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Marisol, for having me and for such a great conversation. I really appreciate it. And I hope we'll have a chance to do it again. So I hope everyone enjoyed uh, the interview that I did with President Hillary Link. Um, but it's mid-July and mid-summer, so my question to both of you as we're closing out uh, Season 5, our last episode of Season 5, is what was you, the favorite activity you did this particular summer? Especially since we were open a little bit and could travel. What was something that you all did? Nicole? Sure, I'll go first. Uh... I went to Sault Ste. Marie in uh, the Upper Peninsula, well, Upper Mich Michigan, and explored the Sioux Locks for the first time, which was awesome. And I recommend anyone who has never seen locks before to go see them. Do you know what locks are? Marcella. It's not the stuff. It's not like salmon on a bagel. You're not talking about that. No, okay. I'm talking about when ships have to pass through um, different heights of river of lakes they have to go through the locks and be lowered or raised and you can watch them go through and it was really exciting one of the craziest experiences i've ever had was canoeing through a couple of locks on the oh, mississippi yeah and oh so God, you go in there in a little canoe i think they don't let people do it anymore <laughs> <laughs> like that's unsafe yeah, yeah well it, i mean they, it was just a bunch of canoes there were no big boats with us okay. but oh, wow. it is still it is a crazy thing and you go like it's like being dropped 40 feet on an elevator except it's uh, water uh, 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 uh. <laughs> no, yeah. no. It's water. It's okay very, that is a big no no for me <laughs> Yeah. So, Andrew, what was your favorite thing of the summer and not the locks? Well, I'm going to stick with boats, although okay. I am going to say uh, I don't the summer's not over. So there are still many great summer things ahead. I'm hoping right. but, uh, we recently went to Cape Cod, which you can do from Boston via ferry. And I love doing that. I love taking the ferry from Boston Harbor to Provincetown. It's just like such a, I love being on a boat. Anytime I'm on a boat, I'm happy. Uh, and you go and you're, you know, it's just this excellent way of getting from place to place. Like the alternative is to be stuck in all this traffic and hate all of your fellow human beings and whatever else traffic does. And this, you just get on a boat and you, you know, skim across the water and then you're in Provincetown, which is a lovely place to be. So that was a, that's a highlight for me. What about you, Marisol? Um, 
you know, I got to go to California, to Southern California, where I used to live and spend a lot of time uh, with friends and have my son Diego see his um, best friends from middle school. And that was actually really emotional for me because we stopped by the restaurant that they were working and they all hugged. And I was just like, oh, so um, I have to say, like being able to reconnect with friends after the long pandemic um, was was a beautiful thing. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say, uh, too, that I'd like to dedicate this episode to my mom who uh, passed away um, recently. And so, um, yeah. That's really, that's really sweet of you to do that. Okay, we're going to cut off before I start crying, but <laughs> thank you all uh, for uh, listening to our Compact Nation podcast. As always, don't forget to rate and review us. Uh, and if you have any questions or suggestions, again, email us at podcast at compact.org or chime in on our social media, hashtag Compact Nation pod. Um, thanks so much, Andrew, for all your time and dedication to the Compact and to this network uh, and to this podcast. Nicole, um, thanks for uh, agreeing to to be my co-host. I look forward to what season six brings. Definitely. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Compact Nation podcast comes to you from Campus Compact's national headquarters in Boston, Massachusetts, or the general vicinity. Our hosts are Marisol Morales and me, Andrew Seligson. Our producer is Molly Leeper, a.k.a. Lady Leeper of Steventown. Music is by Andrew Savage. As always, you can find us online at compact.org slash podcast or on social media at hashtag compactnationpod. Thanks for listening.